And welcome to episode 45 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McCain. Thanks for rocking with us once again. On today's episode, we're breaking down last night's Thursday night football matchup between the Jags and the Titans. The stash was cash for the Jags. And I'm going to tell you why Jalen Ramsey should think twice before he forces his way out of Jacksonville. And then I'm going to give you my week three NFL picks. Last week, 11-4, that could have got us a bye in the first round. This week, we'll look to do better than that. Then I'm going to give you my Power 5 college football picks. So my Power 5 of the biggest college football games for this weekend. And then we're going to talk about the New York Yankees. The Bronx Bombers, they clinched the AL East. Second time in a row, they've got over 100 wins. Aaron Boone, first manager to get 100 wins in his first two seasons. And we're going to tell you why home field advantage should not be the priority for the Bronx Bombers. All that and much more here on episode 45 of the Get More Sports Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to the pod wherever you get your podcast these days. And then if you're watching on YouTube, like and comment below. So I want all your comments on all of today's topics. Give me your takes right down below in the comment section. But we've got lots to get into, so let's get right into it. And we're going to start with Thursday night football, where the Jags, they beat the Titans last night 20-7, to and Saxonville was back. That Jacksonville defense, they got after Marcus Mariota and the Titans all night long. Nine sacks for Jacksonville. Calais Campbell went crazy. Basically put him in the Pro Bowl after last night's game. Seven tackles, three sacks, four QB hits. Not the best night for Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey gave up six of ten passes thrown his way, gave over 101 yards receiving, only the third time in Jalen Ramsey's career that he gave up more than 100 yards receiving, but last night the story was Gardner Minshew. I'm telling you, the stash is cash for Jacksonville. They have themselves a franchise quarterback in Gardner Minshew. This guy's story is stuff of legend. No offers out of high school. Zero scholarship offers. Goes to ECU. Gets booed off the field at ECU and then was going to go to Alabama and play for Nick Saban in the Crimson Tide, but then he ends up at Washington State, plays for the Pirate and Mike Leach. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they take him in the sixth round, and I'm telling you, I've seen more in two games from Gardner Minshew than I saw in five years with Blake Bortles. The kid can flat out throw. Either you can throw or you can't, And this guy has that touch, and he's got those instincts out there. I'm telling you, this kid has franchise quarterback potential. Last night, 10 for 30, 204 yards, two touchdowns. First Jags quarterback since 2007 to win one of his first two starts, and they took him in the sixth round. They had no idea that he was going to be this good, did not anticipate that Nick Foles was going to get injured, and that brings me to... Check him out right after the game. Here's him talking about his come up and his journey to the NFL. Very inspiring stuff by Gardner Minshew. Play the clip. Nothing's changed. You know, I I told people, you know, I'm the same guy now that got booed off the field at ECU that didn't have any scholarships out of high school. I'm the same guy who's sitting there right now. You know, so I'm just got to give the glory to God. It's awesome to be here, and I'm just going to make the most of my opportunity. Gardner. 
And to me, he kind of reminds me of Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. So first of all, I love the fact that he's living out Uncle Rico's dream in the NFL. But also, this brings me to Jalen Ramsey. Now, your Jalen Ramsey, last night, not the best game for Jalen Ramsey. Tough to fault him, probably distracted by these trade talks. But only the third time that he's given up 100 or more yards on his side in the NFL career of Jalen Ramsey. But if I'm Jalen Ramsey, I think long and hard before I make a move from Jacksonville. One, if they're willing to pay you, then that's a big bag because you know Jacksonville, they still have that 2020 option where you're owed $11.7 million. But they come to Jalen Ramsey and say, hey, we'll extend you long term. And you combine them with Miles Jack, Calais Campbell, and this Jacksonville defense, and they could have the offensive side figured out with Gardner Minshew. Because, look, the grass is not always greener on the other side. If you go to the Oakland Raiders, you don't ever know what's going on with that franchise. They always seem to be in disarray. I would stay in Jacksonville if I was Jalen Ramsey based on what I'm seeing with Gardner Minshew. And my next takeaway from last night's game was Marcus Mariota and that anemic Tennessee Titan offense. Seven points last night. They allowed five sacks. Marcus Mariota will not finish the season under center if they cannot protect him. And unfortunately, it looks like it's the beginning of the end for Marcus Mariota and that Tennessee Titan team. They drafted him with the number two pick back in 2015. And if you look at the number one pick in that draft, Jameis Winston, what do Winston and Mariota have in common? They're both on their fifth-year option. Both teams have not elected to extend them, and it looks like they're going to let them walk. So I don't think Marcus Mariota is a bust by any stretch, but it does appear that he needs a new situation, someone that can use his skill set better than that Tennessee offense. Not a lot of playmakers around him. Not a lot of great offensive linemen. They've really struggled with Marcus Mariota. And it's crazy when you think about it. The class ahead of him with Carson Wentz, with Jared Goff, they've already signed mega deals. And then the one and two picks from the year prior, they're on their fifth year contract. So I think that looks like it's going to be the end of Marcus Mariota with Tennessee. And if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, look at this division. You got the Colts and you luck is gone. Houston does not look that great coming out of the gates. They've struggled mightily, and I think that this division is there for the taking. They had a 16% chance, a 16% chance of winning the division when the season started. I think that doubles, maybe even triples right now. I like the Jacksonville Jaguars to win that division and make a playoff appearance. And my last takeaway from last night's game was the officiating. The officiating was absolutely atrocious. NFL fans everywhere were just pulling their hair out just watching last night's game. 15 penalties in the first quarter. Eight holding calls and none other than TB12. Tom Brady himself was not happy about it and he took to Twitter to voice his displeasure with the officiating. Tom Brady said... Too many penalties, just let us play. I'm turning off this game. I can't watch these ridiculous penalties anymore. And the fans agree with him. 121,000 likes, 20,000 retweets. That's a lot of retweets for TB12. And guess what? You talk about being a powerful presence in your league. Zero penalties in the third quarter. I don't know if there was a correlation between Tom Brady's tweet and the officiating, but... Only twenty, pe- only five penalties after that first quarter. So they clearly got the message from someone. Might even have been Tom Brady himself. But I'm just saying that was ridiculous. Look, the NFL, they want to emphasize holding this year. 
but you have to understand, and they also want to protect the quarterback. But at some point, you've got to let the defense defense. Last night, more flags in the first quarter than you see in the opening games of the Olympics. That cannot happen. The NFL, you need to do something about it. you got to let the defenders play defense. You can't give offense all the power. I know you want points. I know you want touchdowns. But the purists like myself, they like to see a defensive-minded football game, so do not take that away from defenders. And next, I want to talk about the New York Yankees. The New York Yankees! So the New York Yankees, they win the division last night, 19th time in franchise history, and this has not been an easy season for the New York Yankees. Stan's been out. Aaron Judge has been out. Encarnacion, Gary Sanchez, they've been bitten by the injury bug again and again and again, but they overcome it. They win their 100th game last night, and Aaron Boone, he becomes the first manager in Major League Baseball history to win 100 games in his first two seasons as the skipper. And if you wonder, how did the, the Yankees get it done? How did this Yankee team win this division despite all the injuries? Well, simply, they've gotten production from everywhere. And Luke Voigt, Yankee first baseman, he'll tell you exactly how the Yankees got it done. Check this out. Play the clip. We're savages. <laughs> we, uh, I don't know. We've had this next man up mentality all year. And all these guys keep coming up and stepping up, you know. And it's been crazy with the amount of injuries and stuff like that. You guys all know that. But for guys to step up from the Scranton team, and it's a credit to you know, our whole organization for coming in and, you know, bringing those guys in to step up to those occasions. And, you know, for Booney putting them in the right spots, it's a good. Now, the question right now for the New York Yankees is will the Yankees go for home field advantage throughout the playoffs? Do they covet hosting the World Series at Yankee Stadium? Right now, they're in a battle. They're in a battle with the Houston Astros. They're deadlocked with Houston, 153. That's their record. Yankees, 154. And then my, I mean, the Los Angeles Dodgers, they're right on their heels at 98 and 55. So what the numbers will tell you when it comes to home field advantage in the in the World Series is the home team is 59 and 25 since 1925 when they host game one. And then the home team, they go on to win the series at a 60% clip. So it's a big bump from the division series to the uh, the championship series to the World Series. So to me, it's worth it in most cases. And if you get deeper into the numbers, the Yankees and Astros last year when they faced off in 2017, the home team won every single game in that series. And then this year, the Astros, they swept... The, uh, the, they swept the Yankees at Minute Maid Park, and then the Yankees took three of four at Yankee Stadium. So logic would tell you that the Yankees should go for home field advantage, but to me in this situation, I think the Yankees, they have to get healthy. They have to get at bats for Stanton. They have to make sure Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, Severino. To me, you make sure your best players are in a groove when October comes because the way they've done it this year is they've gotten productivity productivity from every single position. And if this Yankee team wants to say, hey, let's win games. Let's say Stan's cold. Let's say Aaron Judge is cold. Gary Sanchez. Let's say Encarnacion is cold. The thought would be, let's put in these guys that have done it for us all year. But the Yankees, they have to take their lumps with the core that's going to get them deep into the postseason. So to me, I don't think if the Yankees, if they get home field advantage, that's great. But more importantly, you get those reps for Stan, for Gary Sanchez, for Encarnacion, 
And then you heard the news with Domingo Herman. So Domingo Herman is facing a domestic violence allegation. The, he allegedly slapped his girlfriend in a restaurant while being surrounded by some in the league office. So apparently there was no legal charges as of right now, but if that's the case, uh, definitely a disgusting incident, and they have handled it very well. The Yankees, they're not going to bring him back unless everything checks out. But to me, they could be out their 18-game winner and Domingo Herman, so that will hurt them. So we'll see. I think the Yankees, you get right, you get healthy, you get those reps, and then the Bronx Bombers, when they want to take on the Astros or the Dodgers in the World Series, they can hit wherever they are. The Dodgers played the Astros this year it, at the Chavez Rafine in Los Angeles. They hit nine home runs compared to the Dodgers, too. So they can slug wherever they play. I would not be overly concerned about getting home field advantage if I was the Yankees. And for my week three NFL picks, we're starting in Kansas City, where the Ravens come to town as a six-and-a-half-point underdog, and only one AFC quarterback has a higher QBR and passer rating than Patrick Mahomes. His name, Lamar Jackson. There's only two quarterbacks in the NFL right now that have seven touchdowns, zero picks, Lamar and Patrick Mahomes. So, to me, it could be a shootout, and it could come down to the Chiefs' ability to stop the run. So the Chiefs, they've given up 6.6 yards on the ground to Leonard Fournette and Josh Jacobs in the first two weeks. So look for Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram to do it on the ground. I think ultimately the Chiefs get it done. The Chiefs are going to win that one. And then Bengals at Bills. So this Bills defense, they look stout. And this high-flying passing attack by the Bengals. They took, they played Seattle tough in week one. Then they gave up 572 yards to the Niners and 41 points in week two. Give me the Bills in that one. The Bills, a six-point favorite in that one. Denver at Green Bay. Now, the Packers have not won a game by more than seven points since week 14 of last year. So people like myself, that's my Super Bowl pick. My Super Bowl pick this week gets their first blowout with Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, we've seen flashes. The first quarter last week against Minnesota, the third quarter against Chicago. We've seen flashes. I think they'll get that first very convincing win against the Denver Broncos. And next we got Detroit going to Philly. Now the Eagles, they're banged up, no doubt about it. Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Tim Jernigan dealing with some injuries right now. But they're a Nelson Aguilar drop away from being 2-0. That was a perfect pass, a dime right on the money by Carson Wentz. And I think the Eagles get it done. Yes, this Detroit front, they're phenomenal. They held that Chargers, that potent Chargers offense to 10 points in the second half last week. I'm rolling with Philly. And next, the Miami Dolphins, they head to Dallas to take on the Red Hot Cowboys. And I told you last week, the Miami Dolphins, their season is dull finished they are done and just a matter of how high were their traffic they are tanking for Tua and going into this weekend's games only eight teams prior to this weekend's games have been favored by 20 points or more and the Cowboys are favored by 21 and a half points and none of those eight teams in the past have covered that that changes this weekend the Cowboys second best offense through two games they're averaging 484 yards per game and then Dak Prescott, that QBR, 148.1. Cowboys, big. 
New York Jets at New England. Now, the Cowboys 21.5-point favorites. The Patriots 23-point favorites. And they've won 17 consecutive regular season and playoff games in Foxborough dating back to October of 2017. And the Pats defeated the Jets three consecutive times by 31 points or more. So the Patriots are going to destroy the Jets. So give me the Patriots big in that one. I think they'll cover that 23-and-a-half point spread. And then Carolina, they go to Arizona, and I think the Panthers are going to go 0-3. Cam Newton's banged up. They don't know if he's going to be available for the game. And to me, more importantly, even if Cam Newton was available, I would still pick the Cardinals because I like what I'm starting to see out of Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. This Arizona offense, they're running the air raid in the pros, and I think they're going to score a lot of points. I think the Cardinals get their first win of the year. Give me the Cardinals in that one. And next, the Falcons, they head to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. Now, the Colts have dominated the Falcons historically. The Colts are 14-2 all-time against the Falcons. That's the best record by one team versus a single opponent in the Super Bowl era. But the Colts are 0-5 in their last home openers. I think Matt Ryan goes up to Indianapolis. That offense, after that huge Sunday night win against the Eagles, I think the Falcons, they go on the road and they get that win. Next, the Raiders, they go to Minnesota. So if you saw after the Green Bay game last week, Kirk Cousins said, my career is on the line against the Raiders. Now, Derek Carr has thrown multiple touchdown passes in just one of his past 15 road games. 14 touchdowns to 15 interceptions. Derek Carr on the road is not trustworthy. I think Kirk Cousins is going to eat in this one. I think he'll have a nice bounce-back game. Look, you remember this Raider team? They gave up 249 yards in their first week against Denver last week. 443 yards and four passing touchdowns to the Chiefs. I think he's going to get right against the Raiders. So give me the Vikings in that one. And then the Buccaneers, they host the Giants and Daniel Jones' NFL debut. He replaces Eli Manning. Now my question to you guys, do you guys think the Giants sat Eli Manning when they did so his record could remain at 500? 116 wins to 116 losses. I think that's what the Giants were doing. But the stat to know with Daniel Jones, he was 7 of 8 in throws past 15 yards, two touchdowns in the preseason. But to me, the bigger factor is look what the Buccaneers did last week to Christian McCaffrey. They held him to a career low 2.9 yards per touch. I think they bottle up Saquon Barkley just enough to get that. Give me the Buccaneers. Chargers, Texans, two of the best receivers in the NFL. And the thing you have to know, Keenan Allen and DeAndre Hopkins. Since 2017, Hopkins and Allen, they're second and third in the NFL in receptions. Hopkins with 224, Keenan Allen with 215. And then Mike Williams. Look for Mike Williams to make a big play. He's averaging 22.4 yards per reception through two games. And I haven't been impressed with Deshaun Watson or the Houston Texans. Give me the Chargers at home in that one. Then the Seahawks. They host the Saints. So the Saints, this is not the same Saints defense as we've seen in years past. They've definitely improved big time, and they really should have kept it close. That should have been a touchdown if it weren't for the refs last week. But to me, I like the Seahawks at home. The Seahawks at home in September under Pete Carroll, they are lights out. But something to consider, if they can get to Russell Wilson, 
He has the Seahawks offensive line. They have a pass block win rate of 33%. That's second worst in the NFL. Russell Wilson, he's been sacked eight times already. That's third most in the NFL. So they need to protect Russell Wilson, but I like that Seahawks defense at home against Teddy Bridgewater. Not the biggest fan of Teddy. I think the Seahawks win that one. Then the 49ers and the Steelers. Of course, Mason Rudolph, he steps in for Ben Roethlisberger, but the Niners, they have to replace left tackle Joe Staley. So we'll see how that works. But to me, I like the 49ers. I'm believing in this 49er team. I think Garoppolo looks healthy. I like this offense for the 49ers. Give me the 49ers in that one. And then the Rams, they go to Cleveland to take on the Browns. I like, this is my bold prediction for the week. I like Cleveland in this one. Now, can the Browns protect Baker Mayfield from this ferocious front of the Rams and Aaron Donald? That remains to be seen. And another thing to look for, can Baker Mayfield get the ball out of his hands? It's almost like he's looking at an hourglass when he wants to release the football. Only two quarterbacks have held the ball longer on average through two weeks then Baker Mayfield. So he's got to get the ball out. But I think Baker Mayfield, he's due for a breakout. I think this Browns team at home, a primetime game. I think the Browns get it done against the Rams. And then the Bears and Redskins. So the Redskins, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. If you look at it, Mitch Trubisky, probably one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Washington ranks 30th in yards per game allowed and has just two sacks in 72 pass attempts. I think Mitch Trubisky and that lights-out Bears defense, I think the monsters of the midway, I think they go to Washington and get that one done. So those are my picks for week three of the NFL. And for my Power 5 college football picks, these are the five college football games you have to be watching this weekend. Starting with number 10, Utah. They head to USC. They take on the Utes. Now, I think this USC offense, all the playmakers, very dynamic. Keaton Slovis, he's looked the part early on, but they were unable to protect him against BYU. I think this vaunted Utah defense, they get after him. Also, the coaching mismatch. Kyle Whittingham against Clay Helton. I think Utah goes into the Coliseum tonight and gets that win. And then next, to me, this is the biggest game of the weekend. Number 11, Michigan at number 13, Wisconsin. And this is the game that Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines so desperately need. Michigan's record against top 10 opponents since 2012, it's an abysmal 1-14. Jim Harbaugh's record against top 10 opponents since joining the Wolverines in 2015, 1-9. The Wolverines need this in the worst way. They haven't won at Camp Randall since 2001, and I think that all changes. They might be without their running back Charbonnet, but I think Shea Patterson and this Michigan team, they get it done in Wisconsin. I like the Wolverines in that one. And then number eight, Auburn. They travel to number 17, Texas A&M. I like the Aggies in that one. Last year, they almost beat Clemson at home. I think this year, they'll beat the Auburn Tigers at home. And then next, the Oregon Ducks. Number 16, Oregon. They go to unranked Stanford, but this is a big one for Oregon. Oregon they lost to Stanford last year. Stanford, epic comeback. And then they lost to Auburn this year with a big comeback. Oregon needs to go into Palo Alto and take care of business. And I think they'll do just that. If you look at Stanford, they got smoked by UCF last week. They're giving up 280.3 yards through the air per game. That's 109th in college football. I think Justin Herbert, he's going to come to town and he's going to do work against Stanford. Give me the Ducks in that one. 
And lastly, Georgia. Number three, Georgia. They take on number seven, Notre Dame. Notre Dame comes to town. And Georgia, they have stomped their opponents early on. They've won their first three games by a 148-23 to margin. Yes, it's Arkansas State, Vanderbilt, and Murray State. But to me, it's this Georgia running attack led by DeAndre Swift. If you look at Georgia, they are up front. They're ferocious. Their offensive line, a lot of big hog mollies up there. I think they'll lead the way for DeAndre Swift. And if you look at Notre Dame, they gave up 249 rush yards on 5.3 yards per carry against their only test in Louisville. So I think Georgia, they gash him all night long on the ground. So give me Georgia in that one against the Fighting Irish. That is going to do it for episode 45 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McKay, and thanks for rocking with us once again. You can find me on Twitter at DMAC underscore LA. That's at DMAC underscore LA. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks again, and I'm out.